Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition, first of yesterday's news. I'm Glenn ZB. We're looking back at uh, not just Saturday and Sunday, but Monday as well. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed, it's Tuesday today, so that's why it's a long weekend edition. Um, so, uh, wealth. Our idea of wealth has changed. It's not about money anymore. It's about family and health, apparently. Speaking of health, a big DHB shake-up, of course. In fact, completely shaken up. Shaken up so much they're gone. Uh, the Chiefs, definitely not gone. Uh, headed straight for the final by the look of things. And uh, Chris Parker is funny, so I've put him in the podcast as well. But I tell you what's not funny, uh, the diet culture. And Dr. Josh is doing something about it. So let's start with why isn't food medicine? <laughs> um, well, look, I think uh, we, we can argue about semantics um, for, for until the cows come home. Um, but this isn't really a question of semantics. This is more a question of what is the harm that this phrase is causing? Um, and treating food as medicine and calling food medicine um, is something that is causing a lot of harm to patients and the public and also harm to doctors too. Like we're not immune to this kind of stuff either. Um, it gives us the impression that we can cure things, that food can cure you if you just find the right diet. These, these are false promises. These aren't true. And the vast majority of the time, they're linked to our weight as well. They're linked to a, this assumption that our health is defined by our weight. And it makes eating so flipping stressful. It's ridiculous. Um, and so challenging this assumption that food is medicine helps us to have a far more relaxed attitude around food, um, helps us to realize these kind of things and try and sort those myths from the truths. And it's one of the first things, a bit like um, needing to admit that you're an alcoholic to be able to start working on stuff. I feel like a, needing to understand and accept that food isn't medicine is one of the first steps to start rebuilding your relationship with food. Isn't it refreshing um, having somebody on here who's not trying to tell us what not to eat? So sick of those people. All right, uh, let's move on now. Apparently, uh, we are more, uh, I guess, part of this diet culture thing is uh, one of the reasons why we are more interested in family and health than we are in actual monetary wealth these days. What's this about? Well, who'd have thunk it, really? <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, it is it is a bit of a no-brainer, but then I'm, you know, I'm in the fortunate position of living in a beautiful place by mm -hmm. the sea and enjoying fresh air and, yeah. uh, you know, I have my health. And um, I'm a happy person. I don't need a lot. No, but I think that COVID gave a lot of people the opportunity, if you're looking for silver linings, um, of just having that time to hone in on things that were important. And I think it's brilliant, isn't it? Family, friends, positivity, health, good times, as opposed to, you know, being on that money, that financial, that employment conveyor belt. It's yeah, it's really interesting. I wonder how we all got sucked into the dollar thing in the first place. Look, I think it's one of those things that just happens upon you, isn't it? You you, you start and, and, you know, you dip your toes into that pool and then you quite like it and it gives you stuff that you quite like. And then, of course, stuff. there's an expectation, you know, yeah, stuff, stuff, stuff around your cars and things and clothes and schools and, you know, and, and of course, people yeah. equate that with choice. They feel that, you know, with more money, they have more choice, which is often the way. But, of course, when you are put in a position where you have to peel a few of the layers back because there's nothing much else to do in a lockdown situation, in a situation where people are losing their jobs, in a situation where, you know, the playing field is changing, they just 
perhaps find out that those things aren't quite as important as they thought they were. Oh, wow, man. It's really just reminded me of all the bad stuff that's been going on lately. That's a downer. Um, hey, look, while we're speaking of health, uh, let's uh, look back at uh, the proposed changes to the health system, uh, probably specifically getting rid of these, the DHBs. Uh, here's Dr. Shane Ritchie on that. The Weekend Collective guys. Now, look, a lot of voices calling for reform of the DHBs. Uh, are you do you agree that the health system needs reform? Yes, I think the health system does need a shake, but I don't think the shake that has been proposed this week. Uh, if we look at that, well, first of all, let's look at the overarching things: uh, costs. Have you seen any costs? Has anyone seen any costs with this? Absolutely nothing. Well, it's not true. The only cost we do know is that it took $5 million to get to the starting line. Uh, that was the cost before we got to the announcement yesterday. That's $5 million, $5 million that isn't going into health. Second thing I'd put to you, is the timing the greatest? So we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're challenged to roll out a mass coronavirus vaccination program. Is this the time to be doing this sort of reform, especially when you've given the coronavirus vaccine to every single DHB and then to tell them they're being disestablished? Just not convinced this is the best timing. The other parts of the reform, uh, breaking up or breaking, disestablishing all the DHBs, my real concern here is the loss of the local voice. And I say that because I've lived it and worked it. In the 1990s, we lived under our RHAs and the, the Northland experience, which will be reduplicated because we're now in the same regional grouping with this new configuration, the Northland experience was our needs, our health needs disappeared into the morass of complex Auckland. That's actually what happened. And I see absolutely no reason to think that same thing won't happen again. Okay, you know what? I'm tired of people being downers on this podcast today. So uh, let's get Nigel uh, Yeldon, Yeldon, Yeldon into... Uh, rave about the Chiefs. Like, surely I'm not the only one. Has anybody else noticed that they're just winning and winning and winning? One foot in the final or not? The Chiefs. They've given themselves a real good opportunity, but I mean, geez, the, this tournament's all over the place in the, in the second half, Martin. I mean, you know, a lot of people will go, look, Crusaders losing at home to the Blues. Well, a lot of people were saying, well, gee, Crusaders losing at home to the Highlanders, and look what happened there. So, you think the Chiefs have given themselves a really good opportunity. They've got a great role going, five in a row. Going up to Eden Park is, is never a chore to the Chiefs. They absolutely love going up there. It's an environment that any side that comes out of the Waikato or Bay of Plenty yes. absolutely excels in. So I'm not, I'm not saying they're one foot in the final because it's just been there's been too many inconsistencies over the second half of this tournament. But gee, they're putting themselves in great place in terms of on the table and as well as the mental and physical space that they are in heading into the final week of the comp. I am hoping that at some stage you're going to produce a stat sheet for me comparing this competition to the last, but off the top of your head, if you haven't been doing it, Nigel, is it just a perception thing? We've had no blowouts, so the game's closer this time, this season. Well, the games are very much closer, Martin. Um, that's, that's not really a, a perception. I mean, particularly, obviously, in the, in the last few weeks, I mean, we know what these results have been. Your, your last big blowout... Was that game we weren't expecting a blowout in, or if we were, we were expecting it the other way, which was, of course, the Highlanders blowing right. out the Crusaders in, in Christchurch. So I think, you know, in the second half, it has been a lot closer. Whereas when you look at some of the results from last year, like I think the Chiefs, their final two, two games, they might have had like a couple of 13 point losses, that sort of a thing. Whereas you're looking at the Hurricanes, who are sitting at the bottom at the moment, you know, they've had a golden point loss, now they've been another loss in the, in the final second of a game. 
Um, so yeah, I think the second half, the, the last the last month has been very very close. But Martin, if I can speak openly and honestly, I think some of these close results are actually masking the fact that. The standard of rugby isn't as great as it was in the same time last year, in my opinion. Oh, oh, big call. Few big calls in there, Nige. Um, I, I want to feel sorry for the Hurricanes, but given that it, it's pretty much exactly what happened to the Chiefs last season, hard to. Uh, we're going to finish up here with a bit of Chris Parker. He's funny, and I, I should have just put him in the whole podcast and gotten about all the rest of the, the downer stuff. So, why felting? Why did you get into felting? Of all the handicrafts, of all the skills to learn during lockdown, why did you think felting would be a good one? You know, I am not sure, but I, when we were kind of, the news was sort of breaking, mm. and I was like, oh, we're going to have so much time on our hands, and everyone was running out and getting toilet paper or alcohol, mm. and I was like, no, no. I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm gonna get some craft supplies yeah. because there's gonna be so much time on my hands. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll 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 get creative, and I'm not a very artistic guy. Are you a crafter? No, by no, no means. Okay, but what I liked about these felting packs that I found was that everything you needed was in them, like the needle, the wool. Mm copious amounts of time mm-hmm. like it was all in the pack mm. so i was like oh 100 well this this could be it and then as i started kind of filming myself doing it new zealand just responded and was like keep stabbing <laughs> <laughs> the stabbing is how i feel okay so you stab see i look um i would be lying if i said i knew anything about felting that didn't come from your instagram video it's so hard to describe what it is but essentially you know you've got wool yeah and in a needle with barbs on it, and right. as, you, as you stab the wool, yeah. it like knots it and mats it, and then it becomes like a coarser fiber that we know is felt. Right. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about this last year, and now I'm like an expert. So, the, the how to stab videos is that what's going on? I don't know what's going on. I'm Glenn CFB. Um, it's not unusual to get to the end of the podcast and not know what's going on, in my experience. Perfectly normal, don't worry about it. Uh, that has been used to as you've been the long weekend edition. We'll be back with a normal length daily edition tomorrow. See you then.